During this episode, we spend time with Scott Gray, CEO of ClinCierge, pioneering concierge-level support services to enhance clinical trials. Bringing extensive experience in pharmaceutical events, Scott is driven to remove obstacles patients face in accessing potentially life-changing trials. While together, Scott shares how ClinCierge manages logistics and finances so patients can focus on treatment and why his team is so passionate in building trust and customized care by aligning coordinators directly with participants throughout lengthy trial regimens. Additionally, we discuss innovations enabling continuation of research and patient safety amidst the pandemic's disruption. Join us as Scott advocates for considering the immense value of improving trial experiences to speed novel therapies to market and how his team at Clinciers is doing exactly this. Let's go. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Hi, Scott. A big welcome to our podcast today. Hi, Mike. Glad to be with you today. Well, given your long history and background in providing patient support services for clinical trials and how this has positively impacted the patient's journey in their trials, I'm honored to spend time with you today and discuss this important and exciting topic. But before we dive in, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. You will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Lastly, please visit the bottom of the episode notes to connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter in order to further the conversations occurring on this podcast. All right, Scott, it's almost time for our community to learn how you and the Clinciers team are reducing barriers relating to the communications, travel, and lodging logistics and financial challenges that patients face in clinical trial participation thus enhancing patient enrollment and reducing dropouts. But first, what's that one piece of advice that you would give to others who are passionate about reimagining the health of our world? Ooh, very good question, Mike. I think about what we do and what our mission is, which is really to improve the experience for clinical trial patients. And I would ask my colleagues in the healthcare space to think about who they are servicing, who they are serving, and to put themselves in the position of being the patient, think about the experience they'd like to have both inside and outside of the medical treatment. If I can give an example, I was at a conference just last week up in Boston at Harvard Medical, and one of the panelists spoke about how great she thought they were doing in serving patients, especially in the clinical trial space, until she was diagnosed with a disease that led her into a clinical trial, and she began experiencing some of the, I'll use the term dysfunction, some of the dysfunction in the way people are supported in the clinical trial. So it was a really good firsthand example of what she learned they needed to improve to better the patient experience. Scott, you know, I appreciate this topic and what you're sharing with our community. I know we're going to dive more into all the good things happening with the ClinCierge team and, and how you guys are addressing exactly that. You know, I take your comments even at a higher level. 
how do we as executives in this industry and building innovation, building new processes and systems to better serve the patient, the consumer, if you will, because all of us are really in those shoes one way or another, whether it be directly, indirectly with family or friends. And so, yes, we'll be focusing the conversation around patients and clinical trials today with this conversation. But I'm really taking your comments, Scott, is even more holistically across healthcare. How do we start thinking of that experience and what are the consumer, what the patient is going through, and how do we deliver that value with what they are going through and not what we assume? Would that be a correct statement as well, Scott? That's right on target, Mike. This is right on target. We did a voice of the patient study over two years ago. And what we learned in, we engaged with an outside firm to do the study. And what we learned from the patients themselves, their voice, is how they prefer to be referred to. They don't want to be called subjects. And they want to be recognized as fellow human beings, not just these experiments that are coming in front of science. So it's a subtle way of thinking differently for all of us. It really is, Scott. And I can't wait to, to discuss this and how you guys are exactly doing that at Clinciers. And of course, much, much more and hear your story and all the wonderful things happening within the Clinciers camp. We're going to address all of that and more after we get back from taking our community champion sponsor. Located in Denver, Colorado's nationally ranked River North District, Catalyst is a healthcare innovation campus that brings together stakeholders from across the industry to accelerate innovation and drive real, lasting change our nation desperately needs. From established organizations to startups, from accelerators to advocacy organizations, and from medical schools to global companies, everyone at Catalyst works side by side to create, develop, refine, and bring to market cutting-edge innovations that will fundamentally transform healthcare as we know it. With industry leaders like Medical Group Management Association, Olive, Medical Solutions, UC Health, Cirrus MD, and many others calling Catalyst home, along with innovative pioneers visiting from across the nation, Catalyst continually fosters their foundational belief that collaboration and partnerships will move the healthcare industry forward. To virtually tour Catalyst and claim your space on campus, or host an upcoming event, visit CatalystHealthTech.com or visit the top of the episode notes and click on their link. All right, we're back with Scott Gray, CEO of Clinsier. Scott, thank you so much for joining up again today. Really appreciate it. Really, really enjoyed the information, the guidance, and one piece of advice that you would share with others at the front end, because I think it is so important, no matter who we are, where we are, what we are doing within this industry, we have got to keep the member the consumer, the patient in mind. And I love what you said at the beginning of this is these folks that are going through these trials, we're going to discuss more about that in a moment. They're not just part of some experiment. At the end of the day, they are human beings. So we're going to discuss that much and more, Scott. And of course, Scott, Clint Sierra is now over eight years old. Congratulations. That's a huge feat in and of itself. Can't wait to hear a little bit of the backstory of how this came to be in the first place. How does one get into the world of clinical trials? I know for a lot of us that don't live in the day-to-day, it seems like a very foreign area of healthcare that a lot of us may not even really have a view into this black box, it seems at times. So can't wait to hear more of how you got into it, what you guys are building, where Clinciers is today. And of course, then we're going to look a little future state of where things are heading for the industry, where you see Clinciers heading as well. And of course, how we can be helping you. But first, Scott, take us back. How did this all come together in the first place? How did you fall into the clinical trial world? And then again, we'll discuss who exactly Clint Sierra is, but let's go back a bit. 
Take us behind that curtain of how this all came to be in the first place. Great question. I'll start a little bit about where I started in my career, and that is in corporate meetings and events management. So think of the hospitality sector of industry. And I started that over 40 years ago doing that, working mostly with pharmaceutical companies. So I would be do all the planning and I and my team would then do the execution of meetings where we would bring physicians together to educate them on research being done, drugs coming out to market. We would do pharmaceutical executive education programs or leadership development programs, along with the pharmaceutical sales product launches as new products would come to market and the big launch event would happen. So that was the space that I was in, in working with pharma companies. So knew the vocabulary, knew what they were working on. And it was 10 years ago in 2013 that one of our biotech customers for whom we were organizing their investigator meetings for a US-based rare disease clinical trial, who at the end of our quarterly review mentioned that they'd received the funding and the approval to launch this rare disease trial in 18 countries outside the US. But what they couldn't figure out is how to get the patients from where they lived to the few research sites that were being enabled to conduct this rare disease trial. So they tossed it my direction. I worked with my team and through the rest of 2013, we created what we thought would be this patient support service. We created it. We started supporting their first patient in 2014. And then we did more investigating, not to use their term, but <laughs> looking at the market space. How were trials being run now? What sort of support services were being provided to patients? And we found that there was a huge absence of engaged support services being provided. There were programs that provided reimbursement, but the patient was still obligated to, often funded in advance, know how to do it, know how to organize travel and find the right hotel. All of that was still on the burden of the patient to figure out. What we did and what we saw what was happening, we saw what was happening with our first customer. Though they started their trial later than a competitor, they ended up recruiting faster, retaining patients at a higher level, thereby getting their outcomes data sooner and becoming the very first RNAi therapy ever approved by the FDA in the United States. They beat the competition to market. So we recognize the value of what this type of support service can bring into the clinical trial ecosphere by providing a better experience for the patient outside. We don't influence the research, but we can provide a better support service outside of the research. Wow, that is powerful. And of course, we're going to talk about that a little bit more on exactly what you are offering in regards to both, you know, what's happening with the clinical trial and of course around uh, guiding those patients. But what was that early feedback, Scott, from the patients that were going through it and when working alongside you and you being involved? And I ask all that and you're spot on a little bit earlier. You know, I feel pretty well versed in healthcare. I've been at it with my whole career. I was recently a patient with a pretty minor knee procedure and that was pretty overwhelming for somebody that spent their entire career in healthcare. 
I can't even imagine what it'd be like for somebody that's not in healthcare and then asked to join a clinical trial, how overwhelming that could be. What was some of that early feedback from the patient's perspective that you and the team were receiving that, of course, then you just mentioned the end results, but what was that patient feedback early on? So the patient feedback early on was, first of all, surprised that such support would be available to them. And we still get it. We still get emails from patients. We get emails from sites speaking to their gratitude for the interactions that they've had with our staff who have enabled the patients to make these visits, who have figured out how to navigate when a flight is delayed or canceled. And we're there to help support all of those changes. That they have a child with a rare disease and they don't have the income or the availability of credit that would have enabled them to buy anything um, for the travel or for housing or ground transport. They wouldn't have been able to pay for it in the first place and even, even wait for reimbursement. So an enormous amount of gratitude and trust that we build between our staff and the patients and the sites. So let's talk about your staff. Let's talk about your team. You've mentioned them a couple times now. And of course, you know as well as I do, team members are what make up an organization, not just the branding, not just the name. So let's go there, Scott. Let's talk about the organization and all the wonderful work you and your teammates have been doing to create what is now Clinciers. Let's start there. Give us elevator pitch. Who is Clinciers? So our sole focus is to remove the obstacles for patients to participate in clinical trials. And we've approached it, as I mentioned earlier about my uh, career in corporate meetings and events, we approached it from the perspective of what is your experience when you go to a corporate meeting? What is your experience when you're now going to this research site? And how can we make that experience better? So one of the things that the way we structured our services is that we have coordinators who live in the countries where the patients are originating so that our staff is linguistically, culturally, time zone aligned directly with the patients. So we begin building a level of trust. This person, our Clinciers coordinator, will take care of me on my journey to the site. And remember, this is not a single interaction. The trial regimen could last for several years. So we make sure that we're also taking care of our staff so that we have very little turnover and we can keep coordinators aligned with the patients and their families for the duration of the study. And in regards to those organizations that are using Clinciers, how is the interaction with them? Obviously, you mentioned you're talking about you know, working with the patients that are part of these trials. What does that interaction and engagement look like on the other side of this with your customers, with those organizations that are needing your services? So our customers are the sponsors of the clinical trials, and sometimes the CROs will engage with us to help them with increasing their performance and managing the clinical trial. And again, our relationship is really one of trust, reliance on each other, communication. We take the understanding that the patients, each patient uh, group or each patient individual or family unit is very unique. So we gather data about their unique circumstances, their unique life circumstances, and we will ask for adjustments to the services that may have been proposed in the initial budget. 
we'll make sure that they're very comfortable. You know, if we're relocating a family to another city, we may rent an apartment for them and, oh, they have an infant. So we'll make sure there's a crib in the apartment and, oh, the infant is still in diapers. So we'll get an Amazon order of diapers delivered to the apartment before they arrive. Again, how to make the experience as good as possible so that they can truly focus on the healthcare aspect of why they're doing this. And earlier you mentioned that kind of N of one, that very first customer that asked you to help with this trial. And you mentioned how it helped with the expedition of the trial and, and was able to get to market first. How has the feedback been more broadly now that you're, you know, eight plus years in? How has the feedback been from those customers more broadly after all these years? So eight years in, that first customer is still a customer. And there are 40 some additional customers. We've supported or are supporting well over 350 different trials. And there are many instances of treatment approvals, treatment meaning a genetic treatment or drug approvals. There are many instances where we can point to that we were supporting the patient population that enabled that trial to conclude successfully on time and be able to come to market faster. That's so cool. And in regards to all of us experiencing COVID and what it did or did not do for our businesses, what was that experience like for Clinciers and you as a CEO? Did it change how you think about the model? Was it positive? Was it negative? Was it both? How was that experience going through a major pandemic with what you offer the marketplace? Interestingly for us, because we were always remote enabled, so continually work for our staff wasn't a challenge at all. What we saw happening April, May of 2020, we saw sites shutting down around the globe kind of in a wave in the way it happened. So uh, visits would get canceled. We spent most of May, I believe, unbooking all the arrangements, canceling as much as possible. But there was only about a four-week lull for us. What we found is that the dedication of the patients themselves and the dedication of the research sites caused them to want to figure out a way that they could continue with the trial regimen. And thinking about some of the rare diseases that we were supporting, the trial treatment regimen that they were in was the only course of treatment available to them. There was nothing else out there. An example, there was a patient, I can't remember, somewhere in Europe who had one last trial visit to close out his regimen in the trial. Well, obviously he wanted to be able to contribute his data to the outcomes that were going to be studied to see if this product could come to market or treatment could come to market, but was immunocompromised. We sought permission for private air travel to protect this patient to make the journey to the last site visit. There were other instances where because rail transport was closed down in a European country, we hired a car and driver where an overnight stay was required both directions, going to the city where the trial site was and then on the return where we found a car driver who would accompany the patient all the way through and they would both overnight in the hotel on the way back to the home city. So it drove us actually into seeking more innovative ways 
for us to deliver our services and ensure the safety of the patients. Well, thank you for sharing that, Scott. And let's continue on with the business itself. Obviously, you know, guide us here and share with our community. I have to assume, and maybe you can correct me or not, but I have to assume this is an additional line item of expenditure for your customers. However, obviously, you've already proven with your first customer, and I'm sure it's with others, how you expedite getting through the trial, getting the data to the right folks, helping some of your customers get to market faster. How do you explain that ROI to your customers that it might be, and again, making a big assumption, that it might be an additional expense, but an expense very, very well worth it? It's kind of easy. There's some white papers out there that speak to what do pharma biotech companies lose in revenue each day that a product is not on market. And the numbers range from maybe $120,000 for very rare disease to something like $600,000 a day is lost for a big product, blockbuster product, not in the marketplace. So if procurement and the pharma execs look at that potential ROI for a significantly less costly investment in our services and a significantly less cost in improving the patient's experience, they have a huge ROI by bringing products to market faster. Absolutely. makes perfect sense. It's amazing the numbers when you start thinking, when you bring it down on a daily when it's not in the marketplace, what that could add up to quite quickly. So let's go a little future state. Scott, I'm going to pull the proverbial the ball off the shelf, look a little bit of the crystal ball, a little bit of the future state. Where do you see things heading in regards, you know, for the next two to three, three to five years? Lots of been, lots of things have been changing over the past few years. Acceleration of technology, innovation, and how we think about treating patients as consumers, et cetera. Where do you see things heading in this space? Then, of course, where do you see Clinciers in the next, uh, you know, several years? Well, first off, I'm very encouraged in the conferences that I go to that pharma execs, biotech execs are looking at this aspect of the clinical trial experience for patients. They are focused on it. They're getting to the point where it's becoming more prevalent that this type of services are offered. And again, it's a huge mindset shift for all of them. So it's happening. As we know with some of the biotechs that are more VC funded and may have more flexible younger management thoughts behind it, they're quicker to adopt the new practices. Big pharma, slower to turn the big ship, as we always know. Where I see Clincier going, we've done what we feel is a really good job at experiencing the complexity of these concierge-level trials. And where our drive is right now is thinking about how do we make our quality services available to other patients who may not need the white glove type of handling that the rare disease trial patients may need or the Alzheimer's patients may need. How do we deliver those services? So we've studied the workflows, we've built software to manage the workflow, and we're building an interface that will enable what we're calling non-concierge patients to access our services where it may just be that you log in to your Clincierge PX portal, you order a shared ride car to go across town that we pay for on your behalf so that you have no out-of-pocket expense. So that's just one aspect of where we're going so that we can increase 
the sphere of the patients that we're able to support. So it sounds like you know technology and automation and being able to efficiently get these patients through that may not need, again, that white glove treatment that you just mentioned to help clinicians continue to maybe operate a little bit more at scale? Would that be a true statement? That's a good point. And there are many companies who are out in the space that speak about being technology companies or fintech companies. We will remain rigidly describing ourselves as a services company that is tech enabled. Very important differentiator. So yes, thank you for that as well. Of course, we'll put that crystal ball back on the shelf. Let's get back to current state, Scott. You know, this is an incredible community rallied around this podcast. Love to help our guests out. What's one problem, need, or question that you and the Clinciers team have that our community can be helping you with? So we touched on it a little bit, is how to think about this investment in the patient experience. And I'm talking to procurement and pharma execs, how to think about this investment and looking with your head up at the ROI in the distance of helping your colleagues bring products and treatments for a bigger population of people to market faster. And that's what we can do to help improve this whole, one of the aspects of healthcare. Well, in order for those leaders within the industry to have those conversations with you and the team, Scott, how do they get a hold of you? Social media handles, websites, or otherwise, how do they track you down online? So best way is our website, www.com. Clincierge.com, and that's C-L-I-N-C-I-E-R-G-E. Easy enough. And for those contact points, for our listening community, just simply scroll on down in your favorite podcast player to find those contact points for Scott and the Clincierge team. Of course, you can head over to our free global online community at passionatepioneers.com. There will be a post for Scott's episode where all of those contact points will be listed and an area for comments, feedback, suggestions, or otherwise, again, over at passionatepioneers.com. All right, Scott, we're almost done. We have one final turn around the track here with this awesome conversation. It's a fill in the blank. I'm a passionate pioneer because? I believe in the power of what we can all do together to improve the lives of many people. Absolutely. It's amazing when we work together, when we have a focus in really putting those patients at the forefront, what we can get done and doing it together. So right there with you, Scott. Thank you so much for taking a pit stop today to spend time with us on the podcast here and share your story and all the wonderful things happening within the Clint Sears camp. I know our community always appreciates to learn from leaders just like yourself. So again, Scott, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Such a pleasure being with you today, Mike. Thank you for all your good questions. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.